0: I speak to you in the name of the one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Friends, the title of this morning's sermon is Thinking About War. You know, sometimes current events need to be part of the conversation on Sunday morning, and sometimes we need to talk about how, as Christians, we should think about those current events. Now, like most of you for the last two and a half weeks or so, I found myself captivated by the news from the Ukrainian war. Each morning we wake up and we find ourselves asking the question, did they manage to hang on for yet another day? But in all of the talk about how this war happened, the advisability of no-fly zones, the potential for World War III, or what sort of weapons the Russians are actually using, I have heard little or nothing about how Christians should think about this war, or any other war for that matter. Now let me say this right here at the beginning, I am not going to be endorsing any particular position in this sermon with regard to our country's involvement in the war in the Ukraine. This is not about politics in that sense. What I want to think with you about this morning is what Christians can do to approach thinking through these issues like they're actually Christians. If it calls your politics into question, that's incidental. I don't intend for this to take one position or another. But we do have to start. We must start from the fact that if we're here, we're here because we're Jesus followers. He is the one Lord, that, the one rather that we call Lord And the one who at our baptisms, we promised, will be the ruler and the standard for our lives, no matter what. And because we are Jesus followers, we are called to be peacemakers. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. The question is, what does it mean to be a peacemaker? Does peacemaker mean being a pacifist? Some Christians think so. Since the very beginning, when Roman soldiers like the centurion at Jesus' crucifixion began to follow Jesus, Christians have struggled with the question of pacifism and whether or not Christians could serve in the military or engage in violence in any way at all those who have held this position seem to have a lot of support in Scripture. The sixth commandment, they say, says, "Thou shalt not kill." And Jesus instructs us to turn the other cheek and to forgive our en- to pray for our enemies and to forgive those who offend us 70 times seven. He tells Peter, to put down his sword in the Garden of Gethsemane because those who live by the sword will die by the sword. And when he was persecuted and whipped and nailed to a cross, Jesus did not call down legions of angels to destroy those who tormented him. Instead, he went meekly to his own murder without resisting. And for that reason, there are Christians, and always have been, who believe that Christians may only be pacifists. Following the Lord's example, they say, we must not only be nonviolent, we must never consider violence. Christians should never serve in the military, nor should they ever meet a violent act with violence. The vast majority of Christian theologians throughout history, however, have disagreed with this notion that Christians must be pacifists. They answered the scriptural citations this way. First, as we read this morning in the Decalogue, the Sixth Commandment prohibits murder, the vengeful, unjust, and personal killing of another human being. If you read the laws of the Torah, And the way that scripture talks about murder and the death of war, it's very clear that it does not regard them as the same thing. And of course, we have to remember that as Christians, we should always, always offer forgiveness rather than assume an insult and seek revenge we should always seek a nonviolent solution to a problem and to try and talk it through and settle it without the sword. But that's not the same as being a pacifist. There are problems with the pacifist position that must be recognized. Scripture requires, and it's not optional, that we protect the widow, the orphan, and the oppressed that we love mercy and seek justice. We are our brother's keepers. What are we to do if our talking fails and our neighbor is oppressed or even murdered? Are we to stand by and watch for the sake of our pacifism? What if the violence is being done to our family or to the person that we love most in the world? What if the other side, whatever it is, does not share our Christian values about the value of human lives and it's determined to exert its will and to crush all opposition? Do we stand still and watch Is the solution maybe instead to call non-pacifists and even perhaps non-Christians to come and settle with violence if necessary, any difference rather than engaging in that violence on ourselves with our by ourselves rather. Morally, calling someone else to do violence on your behalf is no different than engaging in it. We do not get to keep our hands clean by using someone else to do our violence. And it is too simple for a Christian to say, I'm a pacifist, I'm against all war, Does that mean no matter how unjust the violence may be, no matter what sort of genocide is being practiced on a nation or a group of people, no matter whether a people are being reduced to poverty and slavery, we should never intervene to stop it with force? If that's the case, who then is our neighbor Do our concerns about justice and mercy and human flourishing have no weight? Are they little more than our thoughts and prayers are with you, but we have no intention of getting involved? Is that the sort of position, the position of a true peacemaker? Or simply the position of someone who is being self-protective? It strikes me, you know, more than occasionally, that it is passing odd that any follower of Jesus would say that there is nothing in this world worth laying down your life. From the very beginning, Christians have tackled this problem and they've tried to reason very carefully about pacifism and about the violence of war The earliest Christians lived in a world that's actually not so very different from our own. There were leaders, warlords, and others with power and influence who just took territories and people with the military might available to them. Justification for such a conquest was very rarely honest, and it did little to compensate for the, I want it, so I'll conquer it, reality. War was a reality in their world, just as war is a reality in ours. So the great Christian teachers set out to develop guidelines for when and how war could be considered just. This sort of thinking, even asking that question, must war be just, is uniquely Christian, by the way. That's where that question first started. And it has become so prevalent that in the West, it is so much a a part of the way that we train our military that they think that it came from them. But this came from the church. The basis of the Christian notion of just war is that it has to be ethical before, during, and after the conflict. So here are the principles for just war. And forgive me, I'm gonna throw a little Latin at you, but you'll probably catch on. The first one is justus ad bellum, justice before the war. And it has several components. First of all, all peaceful means to avoid conflict must have been tried. Second, violence must be the lesser of the alternative evils. Third, war must be engaged in to right a wrong, not to gain territory or material. There must be a reasonable chance of success. Fifth, war must be declared by the sovereign or political authority, not by an individual. And sixth, the clearest justification for war is self-defense or the defense of others. That's before the war starts. Justice in Bellum means that justice in war means certain activities are, are prohibited. And it is so influenced the way we think that all of these activities are prohibited in the Geneva Conventions. First, there must be no targeting of civilians, including the use of weapons that are indiscriminate. Second, those who are wounded, who have surrendered, or who are non-combatants must not be attacked or tortured. Third, weapons of mass destruction are prohibited. And fourth, every effort must be made to moderate collateral damage and damage to the resources around people. That's in the middle of the conflict. Then there's justice just post bellum, after the war. And justice after war is essential for reconciliation and for restoration. Did one side surrender? Have the parties negotiated terms? Are they committed not to retaliate? Are the terms proportional to the harm that was done? The political authority must uphold and accept the end of hostilities. And lastly, political resolutions, environmental remediation, war crimes trials and reparations may be necessary for justice to be done. All of those things have become part of the way that we think, or at least some of us think, through what it means to engage in war. Have we been perfect? No. Everybody here who knows a little bit of history At least one example where our country or some other country that says it adheres to these has been at fault. But that doesn't mean we don't continue to try. And it doesn't mean we can wash our hands of careful consideration. In a Christian way of thinking about just war, a nation has an obligation, an obligation to protect its citizens from an aggressor and likewise the community of nations has an obligation to uh, defend those who are attacked unjustly. We have an obligation to help and protect our neighbors and there is sadly occasionally a time when the use of force may be the only way to stop greater destruction and loss of life. And in those situations the moral choice is to give assistance. Likewise, Christians have an obligation to oppose an enemy that denies the dignity of every human being, and to fight for the equitable coexistence and relationships between people. It is not enough to stand by when ethnicity or religion become the rationale for one side to initiate a war. The value of human lives in Christian eyes does not depend upon the strategic value of the place where one happens to be born, one's ethnicity or one's religion. In a Christian way of thinking about war, we're also reminded that no government can send its citizens to fight and die just because. Our primary motivation for fighting must be the defense of one another. And another underlying principle of just war is that the political leaders involved must not misrepresent the causes or justifications for engaging in war. Christian thinking about war requires honesty It requires careful deliberation. It requires a commitment to justice. And above all, it requires courage. It requires that we occasionally make decisions that are hard and not necessarily the ones that are popular or the ones that we want to make. We are called to be peacemakers But sometimes the only way to have peace is to step into conflict. And that may require that you do more than change the meme on your Facebook page or the colors on your social media. Because peacemakers means so much more than avoiding conflict. A society without conflict is not necessarily peaceful. It's often a tyranny that crushes its people. A society is only peaceful if it meets these criteria. There is a rule of law that is equitably applied to everyone. The people enjoy the rights inalienable to human beings. There is equality of opportunity and there is a commitment in the society to settle disputes and to maintain social harmony. That is a peaceful society. And these are things that Christians should work for every single day, not only just here in our country, but around the world. It is our responsibility. But there are still going to be times when peace. To bring peace, we will need to step into conflict rather than away from it. When we must protect others rather than stand to the side and watch. Now for us right now, the war in Ukraine is a distant spectacle. We can watch it on TV, but it's hard for us to feel it and to feel like we are actually at risk. Let us pray, God, each and every day that it is brought to a conclusion without embroiling all of the world. But should the occasion arise where we must step into conflict in order to bring peace, may we have the courage for at least a little while to put aside the questions asked by politics about strategic importance. Let us put aside the doubts raised by our own fears and ignore the inflammatory posturing of those that we see in various forms of media. Let us soberly ask the necessary questions about human dignity, about justice, and indeed about what it would mean to bring peace to the world, in the name of Christ. Amen.